Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Hi, WCF family. My name is Amy Arsenault, and this is my husband, Stephen Arsenault. Hello. And we're going to be reading from Galatians 5, verses 1 to 26. That's right. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful, sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. You don't remember what you're saying, do you? Oh my gosh, I don't remember what I'm saying. <laughs> WCF, what am I supposed to say? I'm supposed to say, thank you for reading the scripture with us today. And today you have the wonderful pastors of Brian and Karen Travail bringing you the word today. Have an excellent Sunday. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen and Amy. I got his name right. I always call him Richard because he has a brother named Richard and I feel so stupid after I call him Richard. Anyway, I'm not stupid. I got the mind of Christ and so do you. Amen. Welcome, welcome, and welcome to you there, our live stream as well. Uh, if you don't know who we are, I'm Pastor Brian, and this is my amazing, precious gift, Pastor Karen. So what I really want to do is I want to start by thanking all the team that goes into making this. Uh, it's a production, it really is, but it's a service. But you know, we have multimedia, we have sound people, we have the band, the worship. Aren't they amazing? Yeah, give it up for them. We have all these people that get you down the hallway. Right from the moment you drive right in the doors here, we have people working in the parking lot. You know what? They're is considered just as important in God's eyes as we are. Probably I consider more important because without you, this doesn't go off. Kim, thank you so much for your team and all that you guys do. And I don't want to just mention Kim because I'm going to forget names, so I'm not going to say any more names. Just Kim and her team, the production <laughs> team. You are amazing. You make this like so effortless for us. And I just thank you from really from the bottom of our heart. Um, before we start, I, I meant to do this, and I really felt the Holy Spirit kind of told me at the end of service, I just, can we just stand up for a moment? I really feel that we just want to bless Mayor Dilkins and City Council and just all our elected officials, because this is not an easy time with COVID and mask, no mask. There's division and there's, there's an attack against the unity of us, the body of Christ. And I'm choosing to walk in love, and I'm choosing to choose blessings and not curses because I believe that they're in a very awkward position. I don't believe they have this conspiracy theory to get us, Windsor Christian Fellowship, or me, Pastor Brian. I believe that they're doing their very best for us. Is that all right? Can we just reach up? Father, we just thank you for Mayor Dokens and the whole city council of Windsor. We just bless them, Father. We bless the Windsor-Essex County Health Board. Father, we choose to release life and not curses over them. Father, we're asking for your anointing on them, for righteous wisdom and righteous insight, even how to deal with this COVID-19 going forward. Father, only you can unlock wisdom that is in the supernatural realm. And we're asking you to impart that supernaturally into them and bless them this day and all our government officials, right from Prime Minister Trudeau down. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much. It's so my pleasure now to introduce the amazing Pastor Karen Travail. <laughs> I'm, I'm laying down some groundwork here. So here we are, part two of a three-part series on the spirit of witchcraft. So one of the main objectives of witchcraft is to control other human beings. And this is done through manipulation, intimidation, and domination. Now last week, I gave part of my testimony about witchcraft, the spirit of witchcraft, before I was saved. Now I'm going to give you a couple minute testimony on after I was saved. Okay, so this was quite a few years ago. 
was going about my regular day, doing my banking. I went into the bank that I always go into, and I walked in, and I stopped. And over the heads of the people in line at the bank, I saw darkness, and I heard one word spoke. It was like an audible word from God, and it said witchcraft. So as I'm standing there, taking this in, then the vision lifted. So what did I do? I went about my banking. Now, that spirit of darkness, that darkness that was over the heads of the people, came nowhere near me. So I got in line to do my banking. And then as the people in line, as it moved for the next person to go up to the teller, I saw a woman, a tall woman, dressed as a witch. She had a long black garment on with that hat that you see that they wear, you know, at Halloween time, you know, that pointed hat with the big black brim. That's the outfit that she was wearing. It was around Halloween time. This is not a small, innocent thing, Halloween and dressing up in costumes. Now, I don't know what that woman was involved in, but her very presence in that costume caused darkness around the heads of all of those around her. Not a thing to be played with, to be dabbled with, to be touched a little bit with maybe a little Ouija board or a little of this or a little of that. No, a little tarot cards, a little fortune telling. No, it is to be renounced and completely avoided all of the works of witchcraft. Sneaky, manipulative, and deceptive. Opens the door to all kinds of bondages, primarily the spirit of fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind, that's what he's given to us. Now, the definition of intimidation. Intimidation is the act of making someone else timid or fearful by real or implied threats. Bullies use intimidation to force their victims to do what they want them to do. Manipulation in there too. The word timid is in the middle of intimidation and aptly describes the state of nervousness caused by a particular person. Paul speaking to the Galatians, Galatians 1.10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people but of God. If people-pleasing were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so the fear of man brings a snare. When we care more about what people think than what God thinks, and we're always being concerned, you know, and we're under intimidation, we cannot be a servant of Jesus Christ. So now it's time to talk about five clear signs that you are under the attack of witchcraft right now. No kidding! I never blamed her. Uh, am I good now? I'm good now. Alright, I'm good now. So we don't need this one now. Uh, oh, okay. It. That's good. That's good. Okay, let me go on now. So it's time to talk about five clear signs witchcraft is attacking you right now. And that's what, not what's going on with our media and everything here. By Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, the Bible warns us not to be bewitched. 
O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? It's Galatians 3.1. Just as the Holy Spirit is the power of God, witchcraft is the power of the enemy. Don't be deceived. As we were saying last week, there's only two. If it's not the Holy Spirit, then it is of Satan, period. It's either the power of God or Satan. That's it. Five signs. Number one, that you're under an attack of witchcraft is confusion. And I'm talking that big-time confusion. Witchcraft makes you question yourself, question your friends, question your leaders, question God. When witchcraft attacks, it's difficult to make sound decisions. You may forget your keys, you may forget important appointments, or you may even forget what the Word of God says. Or how about what the preacher says? You go away and you forget everything. Ah. When strong confusion hits your mind, you can be sure it's not coming from God. God is not the author of confusion. Can I get an amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. All right. I don't care if I have to use a mic or not a mic. You're going to hear this <laughs> message today. Amen? So the number two quality is, uh, or uh, manifestation is you have trouble paying attention. When you have trouble paying attention, it's witchcraft, okay? Or it can be witchcraft anyways. Unless you stayed up for 48 hours, you might have trouble paying attention then. But when witchcraft attacks, it can make you feel like your mind is scrambled, that your thoughts are all over the place and you can't concentrate. You actually feel like you're a scrambled egg. You have trouble staying focused on the task at hand. You'll be thinking on something or you'll be trying to concentrate on a certain task and your mind will wander all over the place. So your mind wanders. You just can't keep a train of thought or pay attention to what you're hearing or reading. And what really kind of happens sometimes when you go to read the Bible especially is your eyes will want to shut or you'll feel like going to sleep. Anybody ever have that? Okay, we're going to have testimonies. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that mm -hmm. in first period. No, we're not. But that's a stupor spirit. That's witchcraft being sent against you. And it's causing you to disconnect from the Word of God. And we're going to talk some more about the Word of God today. You guys ought to be a little bit happy. We're going to talk about the Word of God today. All right. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear a little enthusiasm. Because it's the Word of God that's going to change your life. It's going to change my life. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober and watchful. Because there's an adversary. He's the devil. It's not God. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not the person three, three, row, three people down. It's not the person at work that across from you. It's not the person that you think is causing you problems. It's the devil. And you're letting him off, off scot-free when you look at the other person and you accuse them. Because that's the devil's job. He's the accuser. He's a slanderer. Come on now. This is not new. So we need to be alert. We need to be watchful. Because he comes around like what? A roaring lion. Means he makes a lot of noise. He makes noise. I'm making noise, but my noise is good noise. 
Some of you agree. Seeking whom he can devour. Whom he can devour. Are you giving him the opportunity? Because in verse 7 of Galatians 5, it says, what is hindering you? What is stopping you? Did it not say that? Did I, did I quote that right? So that means, okay, listen, get, you got to get this. You got to get this. Paul is talking to the Galatian church. That's us. We're not in Galatia. We're not Galatians. But he's talking to believers. So he's telling us that something comes against us that's going to stop us. And somebody needs to get this. Somebody's got to grab onto this in the spirit. Because there's something that's been hindering you. There's something that's been stopping you. And it's not God. It's the devil. I'm done. Mm. <laughs> Number three. Wanting to hide in your cave. Okay? Wanting to hide in your cave. Now... I like being alone with God, but when I feel tempted to hide in my cave rather than face the world, when I feel like David, when he said in Psalm 55, 6, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. When I feel that way, when I want to isolate, be all alone, depressed, I know I'm under attack. When Jezebel sent a, message of, a messenger of fear with a word curse threatening Elijah's life, he ran scared and left his servant behind. He sat in a cave and wished he was dead. That is a witchcraft attack. Now, I'm going to talk about Jezebel a little bit. And then in two weeks from now, we're going to talk about Jezebel a lot. King Ahab of Israel married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, who was king of the Sidonians. Now, that wasn't bad enough. Ahab set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. In 1 Kings 16:33b, God says of Ahab, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. Imagine having that said of you in the Bible. Now, Ahab's wife Jezebel was extremely wicked. She was an intimidator, and she ruled and dominated her husband Ahab. She attempted to massacre all of the prophets of God. But unbeknownst to her, one of her own servants saved 100 prophets of God and hid them in two caves. But Ahab and Jezebel, they had their own prophets. They had 450, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asher. The Bible says, who ate at Jezebel's table. Now, Elijah the prophet, who now was thinking that he was the only prophet of God left, asked King Ahab, at God's direction, to assemble at Mount Carmel all of the people of Israel and all of Ahab's own false prophets. There was going to be a showdown between the false prophets of Baal, between those false prophets and their God, and Elijah and the almighty God of Israel. A showdown. 
So the false prophets, they set up the, an offering to their God and they called all day and all afternoon to come present fire and burn their offering. No God came. So at noon, Elijah mocked them asking, where's your God? Perhaps he's not available or he's on the toilet. That's what he said. Then these prophets of Baal, they jumped up and leapt about and cut themselves and blood was pouring out until the time of the evening sacrifice. No God came. So now, Elisha took an offering of a young bull, put it on wood, and had them come and pour water over it, soaked it, even into a trench. Not once, not twice, three times they poured water until the trench around it was full. And in 1 Kings 18, 36 to 40, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. And Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Now, when Jezebel heard about the massacre, she sent a message to Elijah. 1 Kings 19, 1-4. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. That's the thing about Ahab. They call it an Ahab spirit, dominated by his wife. He would go whining and complaining to Jezebel, and she would get him whatever he wanted. So when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So here we have Elijah the prophet with all of his successes, overcoming all of the prophets of Baal and having them all killed. And now, Jezebel sends a single threat to him, and he runs in fear. Now, she's sent by messenger a word of warning, I'm going to kill you. Why didn't she just send the messenger to kill him? Why did she warn him first? You kind of have to wonder. What was she up to? 
she's an intimidator. It was very evident that God was with Elijah. Jezebel wanted to manipulate, intimidate, and dominate the prophet of God. I'm not so sure believed she could even kill Elijah, but she wanted Elijah to believe that she could kill him. And it looks like he bought into that for a while. She was probably even afraid of, she was probably afraid of God and Elijah. After that showdown and all of her prophets were killed, all she, the only thing she had to come back with was a bunch of threats against him. But there is that spirit of witchcraft behind that threat. She knew God was with Elijah. But this is what an intimidator seeks to do, to get you to be afraid of them, to get you to run, to steal from you your peace, your ministry, your vision, and your life, your relationship with God, and to get you to second-guess your very salvation. That's intimidation. Intimidators are bullies. They're very insecure, and they use anger and threats to try to get at you so they can win. And what they're winning is getting you to do what they want you to do. Get their own way. Don't let them. Michael Dye of the Genesis process said, whatever you fear, you give power to, and it controls you. I'm going to say that again. Whatever you fear, you give power to, and it controls you. So when you have that fear and that respect for God, you're allowing him to come in into your life and have control. You still have a free will, but you're giving him that reign, Jesus, as Lord of our life. When you fear the enemy, it's just all about him controlling you, and you give him that little inch, and he's going to take a mile. And the Bible says, Jesus said, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So in your life, if it is stealing, it is killing, and it is destroying, it is not of the Spirit of God. It is of another spirit. Right. But Jesus came to give you life and give you more abundantly. He gives it more abundantly beyond what you could even ever imagine or ask or think. He gives you abundant life. Amen. So when witchcraft is coming against us, we can tend to forget who we really are. Anybody ever have that? Witchcraft is out to steal your identity. How does he steal your identity? He gets you to believe something that's a lie. Satan does not want you operating in your Christ-like identity. But let me tell you something. I'm here. This is the good news. This is the good news. You can cheer if you want. <laughs> All right? You are a child of the Most High God. You are the righteousness in God, in Christ Jesus. You are greater than, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Amen. And this world is trying to kill you. It's trying to drag you down. And it's the devil that's behind it. But he has no pull in you because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And Deuteronomy 28, 6, it says, you're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed. You're the head, not the tail. Anything Amen. that you put your hand to is going to prosper. Some of you ought to be cheering a little louder. <laughs> Because that's our legal position. Yes. And that's our legal authority. And if we don't operate in our legal authority, guess what's going to happen? Illegal authority's coming in. Because he's coming to kill. He's coming to steal. And he's coming to destroy. So whose responsibility is it? It's our responsibility. Because when witchcraft comes, 
It causes us to feel like a worthless worm. The lowest of lowest. The worst of the worst. And I've been there. I've been there. I've been down there where I thought I was the worst person in this world. But I'm telling you today, somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this. You are not worthless. You are not a worm. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And he's releasing it today. Somebody's going to get blessed today. Oh, hallelujah. When we forget who we are in Christ, we become very disinterested in the word of God. We become disconnected from church. We don't know how to praise and worship, and we don't want to be around other Christians. It's called isolation, and it's guilt, it's condemnation, and it's self-pity, and it's not a God. It's not his best for you. It's not his plan for you. Number five, discouraged, depressed, and ready to quit. Anybody been there? discouraged, depressed, and ready to quit. You may be there right now. We all get discouraged from time to time, but when witchcraft attacks, you may just want to throw in the towel, send your resignation letter to God, quit, give up, cozy up in bed, pull the covers over your head, and maybe even binge watch Netflix. The devil comes to wear you out, but the Bible commands us not to grow weary in well-doing, and promises will reap a harvest. Reap a harvest if we don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now there's the tension. The devil is trying to steal your harvest. Don't let them be a harvest of souls. Could be a harvest, something you've been praying about and waiting for God to answer. And a little time passes and it's like, it's been too long, God didn't hear me, I'm just gonna give up. Ever hear that voice? Oh, I wonder where that comes from. Well, God blesses everybody else, so if God blesses everybody else and there's not enough left for me, gee, I don't remember reading in the Bible that there's a scarcity of blessings, that if somebody else got blessed, then there's none left for me. Are you kidding me? There's enough blessing for everyone. And then some, and then some, and then some, and then some. There's no scarcity of blessing in God. Amen. So we're going to talk about five ways of overcoming witchcraft now. Is that okay? Because it's coming to attack your mind and your body. We are in a battle. I'm pretty sure some of you have kind of seen that at times. This battle actually takes place and it's more real than what you think. It's in the spiritual realm. And here's a reminder. Not only can you, you need to rise up. You need to rise up and you need to battle with that thing that wants to battle with you. Because you have the authority. It's in you. It's already in you. I can't get it into you anymore. I can only awaken it. And hopefully there's something being stirred up today because there's too many of us that cower down when we need to stand up and tell Satan to go to hell. We're not warring against flesh and blood. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're supernatural. They're not ours. 
If we were fighting in our own strength, we'd all be in trouble, including myself. We're not fighting in our own strength. We're, we're fighting a supernatural battle. We got to get that in our mind. We're all going to go through it. David went through that in Psalm 55. He went through all that host of emotions, and yet he realized he was in a battle, and he knew he had to trust God. And so do we. This is coming out different again today. <laughs> we fight, again, from authority, with a position of authority. And remember, if we don't exercise that authority, our legal authority, who's coming to steal? Because illegal authority will come in, and that's witchcraft. That's how it works. If it's not enforced, Satan is knocking on the door because he's a legalist, and he'll take, he'll take that authority. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Hopefully uh, they can get my friend up. I'm, I want to introduce you to one of my neighbors. My neighbor there. Can you put him up on the screen? Blue, come on out. I know you're in there. Hello, Blue. Okay, there's Blue. Everybody <laughs> see him? Everybody went, yeah, everybody went and said, oh, isn't he cute? Trust me, he's not cute. He's got big teeth, big bark, makes loud noises, and he wants to scare the Jesus out of me. And that's what the devil wants to do too. So we're on our walk. Pastor Karen and I go walk. He's, he's in our neighborhood. And Blue is an American bulldog. And what he likes to do is he likes to kind of hide behind the car or a vehicle that might be parked there in the driveway. And then as you get really close to his place, he comes running at the sidewalk at full speed. And then he stops just before he gets to the sidewalk. But he's barking and he's making loud sounds and he's looking really mean because he is mean. Except when you see him outside walking on the street, of course. Another story. What stops blue from coming across that sidewalk? If you see that blue and white sign there, that's for you Maple Leaf fans. It's called an invisible fence. There's an invisible fence that contains blue. And in the spirit realm, it's the same thing. We have an invisible fence that contains Satan. We have an invisible sense that doesn't, fence that doesn't give him access to us unless we cross that fence. Because, you see, I can cross into Blue's territory, and then he has free right and legal reign to do with me whatever he wants to do. And I think he's looking at me like a piece of food when I see him. I don't know for sure, and I'm not about to go home and try it today or any day for that matter, because I think Blue is pretty mean, and he pretty, looks pretty serious. And that's the way the devil is. Because when we cross into his territory, he wants to tear some flesh off us. He wants to inflict some pain, and he's very good at it. He's very good at it. But here's the problem with the devil. You see, he can't come across that fence as long as there's power to that fence. And you see, he can't come across that fence to us because there's power in our fence. He's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the blood of Jesus. It's called the name of Jesus. Some of you ought to be a lot happier about this than you are. I think I'm preaching to myself today, but if that's okay, I'll just get happy and you can all sit there. But I'm going to tell you something. No power in hell can come against the power of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And we need to start declaring it over our lives, over our homes, over our marriages, over our situations, over our finances, over our jobs. And whatever else that's ailing you or problem, giving you a problem, because we have divine health. 
This is all our promises. Through the blood of Jesus, through the name of Jesus. But here's, here's how I really want to just get going here because I'm taking up a lot of time and I'm getting a look. It's okay, though. It's okay. This is good, right? I'm doing all right? No, it was a good look. All right. I'm doing good. Good look. If the power goes out to that fence, he's free to come at me. If the power goes out in our spirit, the Holy Spirit, the devil's free to come after you. But as long as we're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no devil in hell that could touch you. There's no devil in hell that could touch me. And Blue is going to be held in his little fence, in his little yard, and he can bark, and he can make all the noises, and he can show me all the teeth he wants, but he has no right to me. And neither does the devil if we have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our life. You guys are going to get me excited. That's the way intimidation works. You see, it makes loud noises. It makes scary sounds. It looks mean. But he has no right. The enemy has no right to us. Good preaching. That's some good preaching. Man, that's some good preaching. Number two, guard your heart. Now, we've all heard this. Okay, I guess I'm on number two. And We're just going to do it a little older. going to do number one. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23 to 27, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Jezebel and her witchcrafts work to draw you into sin. When you are under heavy attack, your soul gets weary. But Jesus gives us rest for our souls, right? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But Jezebel wants to provide you a different way of escape through sin. Jezebel works to seduce you into idolatry or immorality. If you ever hear, oh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence in a relationship, and you think, maybe I'll just look over to the other side of the fence to see what's over there. Don't look. Because I think it was Pastor Rick always says, you still have to mow the grass. The grass is greener, but you still have to mow it. So Revelations 2.20 but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Again, Jezebel, that spirit, is seducing, seductress. Now, the spirit of Jezebel can affect male or female, okay? So when you feel like you're getting hit from every side, guard your heart. Don't run to temptation, into that temptation when you're under attack, but run to Jesus and reach out to those that are around you too and get prayer. Okay, so we kind of went out a little bit of order, but number one, that was number two, but it might have been number one and this is number two, I'm not sure. Seems to be number two for this service. Guard the loins of your mind. The first step in the battle is to gird the loins of our mind because that's where the attack comes. And it's real 
and it starts in our mind. The enemy works in our mind. He's going to tell us that deliverance isn't real, healing isn't real, that Jesus isn't real, and that this is all just something fake, and you're imagining this, and, and, and this is really not what is for you, and you can't have this because you're not good enough, and there's something wrong with you, and there's something flawed with you, and I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, but this is the way it works, because you know what he does? He just kind of throws these insults. He throws these slanders out in the air, and it just kind of sticks sometimes. And you can be walking around quite innocently, and sometimes something sticks on you. And I don't even know why I'm saying that, because I never said that in the first service. But somebody has to hear that. You're getting an accusation thrown at you, and it's sticking, and it's not even for you. And the truth is, you can be delivered. You have been delivered. And it's the blood of Jesus that protects you. It's the spirit of Jesus that heals you. It's the word of God that will change your mind. It'll transform your mind. And we're to be renewed in, the, in, the, in our minds by constantly coming against the ways of this world and renewing it with the word of God. Because that's what spells do. They'll come against the word of God and it's trying to nullify or diminish the effect of the word of God. Number three, you need to cast down imaginations. Imaginations don't always get us into sickness. They don't always tempt us into sin. But sometimes they'll, they'll tempt our words. And sometimes we'll release negative words when God's asking us to release positive words. When God's asking us to declare the word of God over something, sometimes we just say, well, you know, I just don't feel like I can have that. Or, you know, the doctor told me something different. You know what? The doctor's under Jesus. The name of Jesus is the name above every name. And you can accept the doctor's diagnosis, but you have to also speak into the atmosphere. You have to speak into the spiritual realm. And you got to say, the word of God is more powerful. And I appreciate your diagnosis. But the word of God says, I'm healed. Amen. Oh, I feel like preaching today. I don't know. Sometimes the devil just wants to overwhelm you with imaginations. Those imaginations want to cause you to go hide or isolate. Sometimes it might be ice cream, nice big bowl of it. Anybody ever been there? Sometimes it's a big bag of potato chips. Anybody been there? I'm speaking to some people here today. Maybe it's chemicals or alcohol, or maybe it's sex, or maybe it's just plain old destructive behavior. Maybe it's a big pillow and a TV remote. Because you know what it's doing? It's taking our attention off of Jesus. It's taking our attention off the truth of the word of God. And it's putting it on something else that's a lie, that's a counterfeit. And it's causing us to walk in defeat when Jesus wants us to walk in victory. Somebody ought to be happy about Amen. that. Amen. Amen. In first and second Corinthians 10, 5 says, Cast down imaginations, every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. In the New Living, it says we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. What about witchcraft? We talked about it last week. What's one of the qualities of witchcraft? Anybody remember? Anybody here last week? It's rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And when we operate in rebellion, we're actually opening a door to witchcraft. And it says right there that we're to pull that thought down because it's rebellious. And it's trying to take us somewhere where God's trying to set us free. But it doesn't want us set free. Rebellion wants to keep you stuck. It wants to keep you flowing in the curse and not the blessing. We can't cast down those. We have to cast down those scary thoughts. Sorry. But we need a word of God to do it. 
we got to replace the negative with the positive. Dr. Harrison Mungo, remember him? He said, you have to flip the switch. We have to take the, pos the negative and make it positive. We have to speak positive to negative manifestations. We have to speak positive to negative things going on in our life. i got to run here. In uh, <clears throat> the New Living, it says, fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. In the message, Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on the things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic. God is authentic. You're authentic. You're authentic. Some of you need to hear that today. Compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Some of us walk around thinking we're the ugliest, heinous monsters on this earth. You are beautiful. Yeah, you should be clapping for that. All right. Thank you. You're not ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into the practice what you have learned from me and what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. So we have a part to play. We have a role to do. You're up. Okay. Number four, cast your cares on the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have legitimate problems or concerns. We all do. But mature, mature spiritual warriors understand the balance between taking responsibility and casting your cares on the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Psalm 55, 22, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Witchcraft imaginations totally skew your perspective, making monumental issues out of something that God could fix in a wink. It makes mountains out of molehills. Cast your care on the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Pray for what you need or even for what you think you need. Then believe he's got your back. When you do, he promises to care for you and to give you perfect peace. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Number five, finally, last but not least, speak the word, use the name, and invoke the blood. There's nothing like the name of Jesus under all heaven and earth. That's what the Bible says. You have three powerful weapons at your disposal. The question is, what are you going to do with them? I'm challenging you. I'm urging you. I'm double daring you. I'm double dog daring you because Blue was up there. I'll take you to him and we'll turn off the fence. We'll see. No, never mind. Spiritual weapons are mighty. They're through God. Not on our own. They're through God for pulling down a stronghold, 2 Corinthians 10.4. It's hard to effectively wield our weapons if we're wallowing in condemnation, if we're feeling self-pity or fear, or maybe we're just plain old some other emotion like shame or guilt or whatever else might be running through your mind at that time because it's not a God. It's not how God sees you. The word of God is alive, Philippians, uh, Hebrews 4.12, sorry. The word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whoa, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 
You and I have innermost thoughts and desires. Sometimes we need to apply the word of God to sever those thoughts and cut them off. Cut them off and cut off the access they have to our mind. We need to speak the word to our problems because in Isaiah 55, 11, it says it always accomplishes its purpose. Don't believe me? We'll put, we'll put it up there. Okay, yeah. In the same way that my word, I send it out and it always produces fruit. Word of God always produces fruit. I will accomplish all that I want it to and full uh, prosper everywhere I send it. We have to send the word of God into circumstances. We have to send the word of God into problems. And it's going to what? Produce fruit. It's going to do something. But if we don't say the word of God to our problem, we got to quit telling God how big our problem is and start telling our problem how big our God is. We need to bind the enemy's operation in the name of Jesus and loose the opposite. Life, healing, success, prosperity. Where the enemy's trying to steal, we need to release the word of God into it. Could you stand with me, please? In Revelations 12, 11, it says that we have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by our testimony. And they did not love their life so much that they were afraid to die. You see, sometimes we get in the world and we're afraid to give up that piece of the world. I want to just talk to you one moment here. I know we're running behind. I'm not even going to blame Pastor Karen. That's my fault. But in the, in the book of Kings 18, 1 Kings 18, was it? I don't know. You guys got me all excited. I can't concentrate. But what I want you to do is I want you to grasp this because there's something here. There's a spiritual principle here. And the false prophets of Baal, when they couldn't get that fire to come down on that altar of their sacrifice, they started cutting themselves and they started, the Bible actually says they were shedding blood. They were shedding blood. We have the shed blood of Jesus. We don't need to shed our own blood. That's a legalistic mindset. That's the enemy working to try to get us to earn something that we already have. He's convincing us that it's not real. He's convincing us that it's false. But I'm here to tell you, the blood of Jesus has already been shed for you. And he wants to bless you today. He wants to do something to you today. And what I really want to say is that cutting spirit is a spirit of evil that operates behind it. And I don't know who you are, but I just sense there's people here that have struggled with that. They've been struggling with it, and they just can't break free of it. And that's an evil spirit. And right now, I just bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. I release healing over that spirit. I release true identity in the name of Jesus. And I shatter and scatter its assignment in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, oh thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I believe we're having church today. I believe God's here, and I believe he's... He's going to do some work, and we're not done just yet. Please stay with me. I know it's running late a little bit. Father, I pray that every intimidating, every controlling, every spirit of fear and witchcraft would be broken over the mindset of everyone within the sound of my voice. I release a spirit of love, a spirit of power and soundness of mind 
to release over everyone right now, Father God. I shatter the assignment of lies and hell over the minds, over the hearing, and over the eyes of everyone here. Father, open their ears to hear and their eyes to see the truth. But Father, heal their heart of any hardness, any heart of lies and disbelief. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus over it. I also pray for a greater hunger of intimacy and Christ-likeness to manifest in each heart right here, right now, Father. Each one that's hearing this message, Father, there's something happening in their heart. There's something changing in their heart. There's a shift going on in the spirit realm. And the hardness is being broken off and the lies are being exposed because when the light comes into darkness, darkness must flee, the word says. Father, I'm praying for every controlling spirit of witchcraft released through Jezebel, any threats of intimidation that would lead us to failure in relationships and marriages, in our health, in our destiny, in our finances, in our ministries, would be broken off in every name. Father, I break the spirit of isolation that wants to hold us from fellowship in the church. I want to break that spirit that wants to speak badly about a fellow church member. In the name of Jesus, I release life I release the love of Jesus over that right now. And I sever that assignment of division. I sever that assignment of separation. And I sever that assignment of isolation in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over it right now. And I thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer and healing our hearts right now. Hallelujah. I think it's time for us to go into communion. And if there's anything that I want you to get in your heart right now, is Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus gave his life for you. He paid the ultimate price. He shed his blood for you. You don't have to keep shedding blood, sweat, and tears for something that Jesus has already paid for. Some of you need to get, somebody needs to get a hold of that. Jesus already paid that price. You don't have to do anymore. It's there, it's yours. You don't have to strive any longer. Jesus shed his blood for you and I, and we're trying, we're trying to shed blood for him. That's not, that's not Jesus. That's a false God. Father, I just break the power of that spirit again in Jesus' name. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God. Father, I thank you for what you've done here today. I thank you for the body of Jesus that heals us and restores us to wholeness. And I just thank you, Father, that we can come before you in community with one another and do this in remembrance of you. And he took the bread and ate it. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for your shed blood. So we're going to move into the tithes and offering now. Um, they usually have a, uh, there's a couple apps they usually put up there that you can give online, the e-transfer, and then through the apps. If you haven't uh, done that, that way you can give an envelope. They'll be collecting, ushers will be at the doors, and they'll take your uh, offering envelopes if that's 
the way you choose to do it. And of course, we can't do things the way we used to with COVID. But I would like Pastor Karen to just bless that offering before we do dismiss. Father God, we thank you that you have put into our hands seeds that we can sow. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to tithe. And we thank you, Father, that we have an abundance from which we can give an offering. And Father, I pray that you bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Have the best Sunday of your life. We just love you. Thank you for joining us.